The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. A Gary Cribble to you, Andrew. Oh, oh yes. Do you yeah. have a favorite Cribble song? You know, I, I do enjoy uh, holiday festive music. Um, I'd say my favorite song right now is uh, probably Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. Mm. What about you? Well, first of all, R.I.P. Shane McGowan. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, he just recently passed away. Uh, but I'm going to say like an old favorite of mine growing up was Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guardsmen. He has this... They have this whole, I think, a trio, a troika, if you will, of songs involving Snoopy fighting the Red Baron. Oh, of course. In, uh, yes, their uh, fellow pilots. Uh, in, but uh, in, in the Snoopy's Christmas, spoiler alert, the Wait Red Baron yeah. is uh, friendly with Snoopy because it's the holiday season. Oh, I, th- I thought it would be Santa was yeah. the red one. And uh, no, uh, and uh, no, I, I can see where you'd think, yes, very good. No, um, and because it's not uh, Henry Kissinger's no longer around, even though it's the holidays, there's 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 no more fighting. They, they're definitely, you know, not bombing anybody. No, no. <laughs> By the way, this is Weekend Potted Out's uh, holiday <laughs> special. We don't usually do an intro. That's why uh, I just went right into it. I'm it was Roger. Our, it was Corwin. our cold open. Yes, that's right. That's very good. Uh, this is Roger Cormier, and that is Andrew Loudon. Hi, merry, merry, merry holiday to you. Merry holiday to you. Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festivus, and the New Year. We wish winter you... solstice. Oh yeah, no. yeah. December twenty first or the twentieth. I always get the twentieth and twenty first. I believe it's up. the twenty first. Okay, then in that case, I'm not going to call it winter until the twenty first. The palindromic date, <laughs> if you will. So yeah, today, folks, we you know there's a lot of Christmas cheer, holiday cheer from the, the Beatles, and we're going to start by talking about. Christmas time, parentheses, is here again by the Beatles. And then Merry Xmas War is Over, also parenthetical there, by John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Ding Dong, Ding Dong by George Harrison. Wonderful Christmas time by Sir Paul McCartney. And Ringo Starr, guess what, folks? He released a full album. No way. Of, of holiday songs in 1999 called I Want to Be Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be uh, spoken that way or said that way, uh, but I choose to because I find it the most humorous. And Ringo so, famously is a sad sack. That's hey, I want to be Santa Claus. Peace and love. 
So Christmas time is here again. O U T spells holiday cheer, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this was um every year the Beatles would record a little message for their fan club. Uh in Britain. In America apparently, if you were in the Beatles fan club, you would get a postcard. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but in uh in good old jolly old Britain, you would get a uh, a, a, an ever increasingly complex uh, Beatle message, and one year they had "Christmas Time Is Here Again," um, and in the fan club version of the song, it's a lot of fun because it has a lot of bits, a lot of proto Monty Python post goon show bits. Um, but the problem is the song itself is way too monotonous. Uh, um, they clearly knocked this out in five minutes but I will say it's nice that there's technically a Beatles Christmas song I wouldn't be shocked if a few years from now people will claim this was made by AI from the prompt write a Beatles song about Christmas (laughs) yes (laughs) Christmas time is here again it's a hit you know it's kind of odd to say that this song is forgotten since it's a Christmas song by the Beatles. Yeah. But yeah, you rarely hear this one out and about in the world. And whereas, you know, the Lennon and McCartney solo Christmas songs are part of the fabric of the holiday in the Western world, at least. And I agree. You can tell it was done in about five minutes. I think a lot of these fan club things were kind of an afterthought, uh, maybe more contractually obligated than something they thought as a, uh, a creative uh, venture. Uh, you know, they probably spent one minute for each word in the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe, right. I mean, maybe it was an improv exercise where they went around the room and created a sentence. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to start. Christmas uh, time is here again. It's a who, hit. Who was the lazy jerk who, who, who went with is? Ringo. <laughs> It is. <laughs> he's like, I want to be Santa. Come on. <laughs> and then the the fifth the fifth word was the first person again, and he's like, again. <laughs> and then they they're like, oh, that's no, perfect. Or, or maybe it was George Martin because he just wanted this to be over so he can go home again. Go I, again, again. Really, I yeah. Parent parentheses. Oh God. Oh, boy. It might have been Mal Evans. He was involved in this production. Victor Spinetti, who uh, was a guest star in the movie Help, uh, he was also involved. He was credited with vocals and tap dancing. Uh, That is, of course, part of one of the bits. I don't think the actual song itself. Um, This song is so rare, it's not on Spotify, but you can find it on a YouTube. There are um, covers on Spotify, though. There are covers on Spotify. Spoon is a nice cover, including uh, Spoon and Ringo. Yes, Ringo which too. We'll, which we'll, we'll get, get to. there. Yeah. We'll get there, folks. Don't worry. He wants to be Santa Claus. He gets to be Santa Claus, a singing Santa. So this song is repeats nine identical verses. Followed by an instrumental verse, 
Kenneth Womack writes that the song's comic spirit is similar to You Know My Name, Look Up the Number, most of which had been recorded over the summer of 1967. It was likely inspired by the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band of BBC Radio 1. And of course, this was recorded also in 1967. So, I see their point. Um, also, all the... We just mentioned all the uh, fan fan club messages, and they are not on YouTube. That's how rare it is. There are Peter they are, Jackson. However, get on it. There are. That's right. There are some uh, some versions, but if you want the whole collection, you have to go to DailyMotion.com. Remember DailyMotion? Oh if boy. At all? That's yes. right. Yeah. We go. Forget Vimeo, folks. You got to go to DailyMotion. <laughs> My friends. One, one step above Ebaum's world. <laughs> Ebaum, baby. Um, so the Beatles' Christmas 1967 fan club disc was a usual mixture of skits, improvised nonsense, and jokes. And uh, the song was credited to all four members of the Beatles. The skits included parodies of radio and TV broadcasts, a tap, tap dancing duet by Ringo and Victor Spinetti, a brief rendition of Plenty of Jam Jars by the Ravelers, or the Ravelers, not a real song, and a spoof advert for the miraculous product Wonderlust. It ended with a nonsense poem by John Lennon, narrated on top of an organ version of Auld Lang Syne. The uncut version lasted 6 minutes and 37 seconds, but was later edited to remove swearing and excessive <laughs> laughter. <laughs> it was recorded on November 28, 1967, and edited... The following day. And it was officially released in 1995. Uh, It was the B-side to the Free as a Bird single. Um, Towards the end of the 3 minute 3 second mix, somewhat incongruously, some Christmas Beetlegrees from 1966 were included. I hope someone got fired for that. Uh, these were extracts from recordings made on December 6, 1966 for the Pirate Stations Radio London and Radio Caroline. Uh, the Beals were fans of the uh, Pirate Radio Stations. Why would they be? Yeah. They, yeah. Christmas time is here again. Was, Please play us. Uh, <laughs> we're cool, mm-hmm. I promise. Sadly, this was the last Beatles Christmas disc to be recorded together. In 68, 69, they couldn't be bothered with each other, so they were all recorded separately. Uh, as with previous Beatle records, the 7-inch disc was only released to British fans, while Americans instead received a postcard. I wanted to repeat that because that is such bullshit. It is. The complete take of the song has never been officially released. On April 23rd, 1976, a full version running 6 minutes and 42 seconds was mixed for mono... It was originally only played to ex- executives at EMI, but first appeared on a bootleg in 1983. It has continued to circulate on CD. Jeff Emmerich, our old friend, remixed the song in 84 for the Beatles' Abandoned Sessions album. He mixed the song for stereo, editing it down to a minute eight, and crossfading into a medley with Obladio Blada. Oh no. The song was expected to appear as the B-side of the album's single, Leave My Kitten Alone, which is a cover, and I think that explains why this was never released, if that's your single. It was originally planned for a release around Christmas 1984, never officially released. The two versions of the song began circulating as bootlegs in 85 and 86. 
Oh, boy. Love count zero. <laughs> and um, this is different for the, our holiday special. It doesn't make sense to compare holiday songs to your love by the outfield. So we came up with the Wham scale. <laughs> uh, do you give this song your heart or will you give it away the very next day? And uh, I'm going to say Wham. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. Okay, Mr. Kitas. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a wham. <gasps> ah, I was drinking water there. You scared. All right. Well, how about this one? Happy Xmas. War is over. This is another anthem from John Lennon. Uh, you know, the cynical approach to reviewing the song is to say, oh, yeah, I just wanted it comes true that I just won a million dollars. Rest in power, Matthew Perry. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's hard for me to be cynical because the song is legitimately pretty and at the very least sounds earnest. Mm-hmm. It has the exact right amount of Holly producer master Phil Spectorness. And the way the Harlem Community Choir enters the picture is right on time. It adds a ton of, to the proceedings. Not to mention a palatable vocal from Yoko Ono. You know, usually she's associated with screaming or yelping, but here for maybe the first time to the general public, they realize she could sing in a mainstream style she chose to. Uh, this may be the best Christmas song ever. Maybe? Maybe? You know, I'm shrugging my shoulders. Yeah, could I'm, be. I'm rolling my chair back. Like, mm-hmm. Deal with it. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a great TikToker reel uh that i saw recently that pointed that did an impression of john lennon doing this on it was merry christmas people are dying go fuck yourself (laughs) i don't think it's the best christmas song ever but i think it hits a lot of the right notes of joy a little bit of sadness because you know the holidays aren't always joyful uh and also a call for uh, a call for togetherness um, I think the Spectre production like makes it an instant classic. Like this could be on the Phillies Records Christmas compilation, uh, but it isn't because it came out several years later. But it sounds like it could. Uh, this is probably my favorite Lennon solo song of what I know because I don't know um, a lot of the Lennon solo songs. But if I had uh, to pick one, I'd probably pick this one. Well, he has some good ones. I'll tell you that. We're going to find out. We're going to find out, folks. I'll so find this out. Was, uh, you'll find out. So, okay, you're, clearly you know one. I know one. I know one. <laughs> imagine I, that. Imagine I imagine that. I know a few. <laughs> don't be a jealous guy if you don't know all of them. <laughs> you're just jealous. You can, you're just a jealous guy because you can't hear him again for the first time. That's true. You hey. got me there. Oh, so this song, written by John Lennon and Yoko Ono, was recorded a couple of days before Halloween in 1971. John, Yoko, and Phil Spector were producers. Hugh McCracken was one of the four acoustic guitarists. I don't know why you need four acoustic guitars. Because it's uh, Spectre. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Klaus Vorman was the bass guitarist. Now, Klaus, you're going to hear his name a lot because yep. he basically became the new Paul. 
He plays bass on George and Ringo's records for at least the first half of the 1970s. Klaus they knew from the Hamburg days, and he um, he uh, did the cover art for Revolver. So he's he's always That's been right. around. Yes. He's like, uh, yes, he is like a character that shows up in like season four of a show, and like they and all the other characters act like they've known him this them this whole time, you know. And it's like so, clearly they just so Rob Lowe in uh, Parks and Recreation. Well, no, because they they he he just showed. I, I'm thinking more like Steve Buscemi in The Sopranos, when he the other Tony. And they're all like, "Oh yes, he's been in jail this whole time." But that's but we've always talked about him when the cameras are rolling. Hey, how are you? So that's Klaus. Klaus is Steve Buscemi. Klaus Buscemi, and uh, Nicky Hopkins on piano chimes and Glockenspiel and Jim Keltner on drums and sleigh bells. Those two names you will also see a lot in the first half of the nineteen seventies. They worked with George and Ringo and Johnny Boy, and of course the Harlem. Still drums with Ringo all the time on recordings. That's right. And the Harlem Community Choir and May Pang were credited with the backing vocals. Uh, released in the U.S. in 71 and the U.K. in 72. Why? We'll get to that. Happy Christmas War is Over had its roots in the 1969 peace campaign staged by John and Yoko. If you'll recall, uh, it was launched on December 15th, 1969 in 12 cities including New York, hell yeah. While posters with stark black lettering appeared, stating war is over if you want it, happy Christmas from John and Yoko. White posters, I should say. Two years later, Lennon turned the idea into what would become an evergreen festive song. John Lennon said, happy Christmas, Yoko and I wrote together, it says war's over if you want it. It was still that same message, the idea that we're just as responsible as the man who pushes the button. As long as people imagine that somebody's doing it to them and that they have no control, then they have no control. In other words, go fuck yourself. Yes. Yes. Uh, John also uh, said that uh, now I understand what you have to do. You have to put your political message across with a little honey. Uh, He said this after the success of this 1971 single, Imagine, which we will get to and i assume andrew has heard before i imagine uh, i have mm-hmm. imagine that both lennon and phil spender claimed the song's melody was based on the paris sisters sisters 1961 hit i love how you love me which phil spector produced at least phil spector knew it this time hmm. however the verses are more closely related to peter paul and mary's version of the american folk song stewball I love throwing the old stew ball around, especially during the holidays. The basic track was recorded at the Record Plant East in New York City on October 28, 1971. The balance engineer was studio owner Roy Cicada. I always said Cicada. And Phil Spector was the producer, of course, and he, of course, produced a classic 1963 album, A Christmas Gift for You. Oh, For me? For you. The song was not a success when initially released in the U.S. and failed to chart because of the lack of promotion it received, mostly due to it being recorded so late in the year. And I believe I read that John was warned about this and he didn't care. He didn't want to sit on it for a year. 
Um, however, in the United Kingdom, it did sit for a year, and it wasn't for a good reason. It was because Yoko Ono's contribution to the songwriting uh, was a whole kerfuffle over there. Uh, they're like, a woman songwriter? I don't think so. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very funny, Mr. Lennon. Um, but it was eventually issued and peaked at number four on the singles chart. Uh, the song was reissued following Lennon's death in 1980, where it reached number two. It also charted on the following two years, and occasionally in subsequent years. And it was uh, issued on the 1975 compilation Shaved Fish, where it sank into a live version of Give Peace a Chance, featuring little Stevie Wonder on vocals. How about that? Love Count Zero. And now we're introducing a donut. Now we're introducing a new thing. Uh, we're, folks, we're going to find out in real time if Andrew likes this or not. I don't know. Uh, I came up with it in five minutes. Not even. Uh, I'm <laughs> calling this the Fonzie meter. Is the B side better or do you prefer the A? <laughs> so the B side is Listen to Snow is Falling by Yoko, and it is a pretty song. Uh, however, you know, War is Happy Xmas War is Over is great, so I'm going to give it a A. I think the Listen to the Snow is Falling is a beautiful song. I'd never heard it before, and I'm going to keep listening to it. Uh, but I am going to agree, and I'm going to give it the A. I think the A side is the winner here. A sides win. A sides, baby. Wham scale. Do you give the song your heart, or do you give it away the very next day? I give it my heart. I will also give it my heart. Well, what about Ding Dong Ding Dong, my friend? Oh, the George song. Yes. Could someone get this guy a lozenge? Ricola! <laughs> Ricola! Oh, oh, commercials. What would we do without you? <laughs> yes. Poor George. Uh, we'll talk more about his voice issues when we get to Dark Horse with a day. <laughs> Uh, this is another song that's monotonous and doesn't really go anywhere. It's innocent enough, though. And, you know, George Harrison wasn't the first, and he wasn't the last musician to ride a hook for nearly four minutes. Hmm. It's fortunate the song isn't more popular, but otherwise I'd be fucking sick of it already. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly didn't know that he had a holiday song, or I guess it's more of a New Year song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite New Year's song, Roger? Um, Is it this? Well, you know, I I, I got to go with uh, the Mountain Goats, right? This year? Yeah. I'm going to get through it if it fucking kills me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. There's also the Def Cab for Cutie. The New Year, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say you too. Uh, oh, you New know. Year's Day, yeah. Yeah. Is this an episode of you talking you too to me? I think it is. Oh. No, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with the, the Ice of Boston by the Dismemberment Plan. Okay. Here's to uh, another goddamn New Year. <laughs> I don't know if you know that song, but it's great. I don't. Um, but you reminded me of uh, the zombies. Oh, this will be our year. For a long time to come. 
Tom Sharpling's least favorite New Year song? <laughs> well, one year he started to play it uh, on the first show of the new year, and then he stopped it halfway through to play Do It by Rollins Band. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Don't think about it. Do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, fair enough. It's no, it's no, it's no time for wishing. You got to just do it. It's, it's true. Good, it's good. Don't message. talk about it. Do it. But do it. Do anyway. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Well, anyway, anyway go ahead, Mister yeah, Aladdin. Yeah, this this song, a uh, ding dong, ding dong. Uh, and, <laughs> Back to ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> Let's get serious, folks. Ding dong, ding dong. Is this another episode of um, uh, the Will Ferrell uh, Iceland movie? <laughs> Wow. Anyway, um, this and its B-side kind of feel like a cast-off or a bit of like a contractual obligation type song where he really can't be bothered to write that many lyrics. He literally says, all right, time for you to B-side in the B-side. On Correct. The B-side. Yes. Yeah. We don't got much time. Uh, yeah. Like, he doesn't also take the melody anywhere. Like, he li- literally lifted the hook from the most common chime in a grandfather clock. Bum, 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 bum. So he didn't even write that. He's just, you know, lifting where he can. I, I feel badly mostly about, with, with this song, I feel badly about how he sounds because he just sounds in such awful shape with the laryngitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk more about that when we get to the Dark Horse era. Guess who played bass on this song? <laughs> who? Klaus Foreman. Oh, he's back again. Guess who played drums along with Ringo? Oh, is it, uh, is it, uh, Jim Keltner? Yeah. No shit. That's great. Guess who provided backing vocals? Uh, I don't know. Uncredited. Our old friend. Uncredited. Oh. Not nobody could put it on your CV. Oh man, that's a shame. Ding dong, ding dong, backing vocals. One of the highlights, apparently, of George Harrison's Dark Horse album, oh. uh, "Ding Dong Ding Dong," was also issued as a festive single in December 1974. Now, 1974 was quite a year for Mr. Harrison. He split from Patty Boyd, launched his own record label, Dark Horse Records. And produced albums for Ravi Shankar and Splinter. Splinter was a Mal Evans find, if I recall correctly. He also recorded the Dark Horse album and made plans for his first full tour to U.S. at the end of the year. George is said to have been playing his guitar when he noticed the words "Bring out the old, bring in the new" to the left of his fireplace. To the right were the words "Bring out the false, bring in the true." So he didn't write this either. The lyrics. He later revealed he had lived with the words for some time, but I'd never before noticed they could be song lyrics. He said, uh, Ding Dong Ding Dong was the quickest one I ever wrote. It took me three minutes, except it took four years of looking at the thing, which was written on the wall in my home. Ring out the old, ring in the new, ring out the false, ring in the truth. Before I realized it was a hit song. Makes me laugh because it's so simple. Ha ha ha. That song evaded me for four years. I gotta give George credit. Usually people say I wrote this in five minutes or ten minutes, but he said three. 
<laughs> He's being serious. <laughs> he no, no multiple of five here. Three minutes. Boom. He's that good, guys. Harrison had high hopes for Dasov and sent a demo to a business associate with this note attached. It's one of them repetitious numbers, which is going to have 20 million people with the Phil Spector nymphomaniacs all doing backing vocals by the end of the day, and it's going to be wonderful. But I'd appreciate it if you don't let anybody steal it, because I want to hit myself. Did he write across the CDR, don't steal this album? <laughs> no, that was someone else. Uh, it was issued as a single in the UK the on December 6, yeah. 1974. Once again, like John, too late to make an impact for the Christmas market. It peaked at number 38. Its B-side was I Don't Care Anymore, which was said to have been written about the legal action regarding plagiarism over similarities between his My Sweet Lord and the Chiffon's <laughs> He's So Fine. We will get to that funny saga in time. I don't care anymore. <sighs> a video was made for Ding Dong Ding Dong. It's on YouTube, in which Harrison wore a gray collarless suit and played a Rickenbacker 12 string guitar, like uh, the Beatles did in the early days, and donned his Sgt. Pepper uniform for the first time since the Hello Goodbye music video in 1967. And this music video is something he. Uh, he invents the naked cowboy. Uh, no way. Oh, sure. He's naked except for the, like Bigfoot shoes. I don't know how you would. Bigfoot boots. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, he's, and a guitar is covering his, uh, his uh, happy jewels, his crown jewels. So, yeah, I, Nikki Cowboy's watching this at home. Young Nikki Cowboy's like, oh, I think I think I got something here. <laughs> or maybe he ripped it off from the Nikki Cowboy, and that's part of his uh, legal action he had to take, and I don't God care damn anymore. It. <laughs> this guy has no original bone in his body. Oh, man. Some Harrison biographers view Ding Dong as an attempt to emulate the success of two glam rock anthems from the 1973-74 holiday season. Merry Christmas, Everybody by Slade, and Wizards, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. Two stone-cold Christmas classics that you don't hear enough here in the States. That's right. I, I was listening to it uh, before we recorded, and you're right. They're pretty pretty glam, pretty great. Love counts zero. Uh, in fact, there's a grand total of 18 unique words I counted. Wow. Maybe it's more than the the Beatles' Christmas song, but all the same. Not by that many. Not by that many. Fonzie Meter, is the B-side better? Or do you prefer the A? Well, I prefer the A because I Don't Care Anymore is one of those songs where the the songwriter flat out tells you this is just... Not worth your time. Not worth your time. Going for the motions. This is George's porcupine pie. In other words, contractual obligation, probably. It's his uh, his his ringworm. Who He's did got ringworm? a Danish? Uh, Van Morrison. Oh, I got a Danish. <laughs> yeah. Got a Danish? No, yes. I just ate. Wham scale. Yeah, I say yeah, I give it an A. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. yes, of course. Wham scale. I say. Give it away, give it away, you wham. I'm 
I'm going to give it a wham, too. Yes. All right, folks. Here we go. Let's get this <laughs> over with. Oh, come on. So, look, I, this is a true story. I was buying my own business. Uh, I think this was last year. Walking to the vet's office because I had a nagging cough. And I hear... Next block, it's a little louder. A little louder. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Oh. So some geniuses thought they'd absolutely blast... And I mean blast. Wonderful Christmas time to get people to come inside for their grand opening. I still don't know what the store sells because I, I like purposely avoided it. Um, it's clearly a front for something. Or maybe they were threatening people to never turn it off unless they shop there. <laughs> the point is, it's terrible. And if it were a person... It'd be the AT&T of people. I might have said that before. It's a reference to community. This song is so hollow, I could punch a hole through it. And I'd gladly do so. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Um, <laughs> so I would compare how I feel about this song to like a, how I feel about most Andy Kaufman bits. Okay. Where I like it, and then I dislike it. And then I come back around again, and I love it. It's the I trusted you of Christmas songs. I trusted uh, you. I trusted you. <laughs> I know we talked about that one before. <laughs> yes, we did. So as a kid, hell yeah, this song rules. As a teenager and through a good chunk of my 20s, no way, overplayed, get this out of here. You know, sure, I'll listen to it, but I'm not going to really enjoy it. But now here in my 30s, I'm here for the memes. I'm here for his McCartney 2 era, and I'm here for Paul getting a dumb keyboard and having a great time fucking around. <laughs> Maybe this opinion is kind of unpopular because it's kind of like the all I want for Christmas is you of the Beatles canon, but I'm very here for it. The moon is right. The moon is right. The moon is right. The, the moon, moon is, right. is right. The, moon, the is. moon is right. The moon is right. Andrew is referring to a video in which the lyrics change to thus to just the moon is right. And let me tell you, it's a marked improvement for the original. <laughs> Paul McCartney on vocals, guitar, bass, keyboards, drums, percussion. Because uh, it is the McCartney two era. That's right. This was recorded in July 1979 on a, quote, boiling hot day in July. It was based on a synthesizer riff played on a sequential circuits Prophet 5. A video for the song was filmed at the Fountain Inn in Ashurst, or, or Ashurst, <clears throat> West Sussex, on this, November 16, 1979. Cutting it close. It was directed by Russell Mulcahy and featured the members of Wings, even though they did not feature in the recording. Oh. Nice of them. Nice of Paul. So the music video you can find on YouTube. I thought it was Bob Dylan in the beginning, but it was just an old lady. Uh, Paul McCarty tweeted in 2020 that the video was a lot of fun to film. Uh, this he tweeted that while he was promoting McCartney three. I guess he was looking back at 
McCartney too. And uh, as you reminded me, Andrew, there was a meme of someone by the name of Ryan George on Twitter who, who uh, theorized that the song is about friends practicing witchcraft. But then someone walks in, they have to suddenly play it cool. Yes. And he, he points uh, after this, the line, and that's enough, that somebody walks in and then they're like, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Um, he might have a point, but that's so. giving the song way too much credit, I think. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I, 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 I'm just agreeing with you. Okay. What I also like about this song, it might not have you hate, is uh, Paul, uh, <laughs> he, he sings, uh, and the children sing, and then there's no children singing. Yeah, it's just his keyboard. No, I'm still doing this alone. Fuck the kids. And then, and he's like, but I'm going to throw a b- bone to George. And they go, ding, dong, ding. That's dong, right. Ding, dong, ding. <laughs> and George is like, I should sue for plagiarism. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wings performed Wonderful Christmas Time each night during their November, December 1979 tour of the UK. Uh, the Yola Tango opened for them out. McCartney yeah. also performed it as an encore during December shows for his 2009 Good Evening Europe tour and the following year's Up and Coming tour. Uh, it was issued as a single of the UK on November 16, 1979 and reached number six on the charts. The B-side was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reggae, a novelty version of the Christmas classic which McCartney recorded back in seventy-five. In the U.S., the song peaked at number eight. In the run-out groove of the single's A-side was the message to lift a glass, Xmas 79, while the B-side read, love from Rudy, Xmas 79. <laughs> a message to you, Rudy. Where have all the rude boys gone? I gotta say, uh, last night I was at Subway and they were blasting uh, holiday music and I... I'm pretty sure it was Dean Martin singing because he referred to Rudolph as Rudy a couple of times and got away with it. Rudy, the red nose reader. Yes. Oh, Rudy, you'll go down in history. Where's my uh, drink? <laughs> you know, that was like apple juice, right? Like he didn't really drink. Oh, really? I didn't know he, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a... Yeah, that's right. I'm telling the truth today. Yeah. Wonderful Christmas Time was the first single credited solely to Paul McCartney since Another Day in 1971. It was the first signal that Wings' time together might be drawing to a close. Oh, no. Mm. We just started talking about them. Wonderful Christmas Time continues to receive substantial annual festive airplay, although some music critics consider it to be one of McCartney's mediocre compositions. Mediocre <laughs> is very kind. But Beatles author Robert Rodriguez has written of Wonderful Christmas Time. Love it or hate it, few songs within the McCartney oeuvre have provoked such strong reactions. That is true. true. Yes. Including royalties from cover versions, it was estimated in 2010 that Mecca makes 400000 a year from this song, which puts its cumulative earnings at over $15 million. And that was back wow. in 2010. So oh, he yes. gets the last laugh, I suppose. 
<sighs> Fonzie meters. This is the B side better, or do you prefer the A? I say pollen, because I prefer the B. Ah, you're 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 famously more into reggae. I'm, I'm more into go with... whatever is not wonderful. <laughs> wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> I'm gonna give it the. I'm gonna give it an A because I think the moon is right. And the Wham scale, I give it away. My and heart. I am going to give it my heart. Aww. Aww. And finally, let's talk about Ringo's 1999 album, I Want to Be Santa Claus. Um, I, you know, first of all, how did it take until 1999 for Ringo to make a holiday album? You know, uh, that's an absolute, absolute no-brainer. Mr. Shine Time Station, come on. As for the result, I don't like that they padded the classic tracks. Was it really important to make Winter Wonderland and a Little Drummer Boy longer? <laughs> and he stretched Christmas time is here again over four minutes. Without the bits. And most of his originals are over four minutes long, too. I will say his reggae-ish white Christmas cover is interesting. Mm-hmm. The last track, Peace Be With You, is very nice and Georgie. I like they left him mistaken by Ringo and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it wasn't that he called him Rudy. Hmm. If I was at a holiday party and they put this record on, I'd A, know I was in the right place, and B, not mind. Yeah, I might play some of this at the company Christmas party next week. Because why not? Uh, My Microsoft Teams icon for the month is actually Ringo wearing a Santa hat, flashing a peace sign. And someone came up to me and said, hey, you know, that doesn't look like you and your icon in, in, in the company directory. And I said, no, it is not. That Peace is Ringo Starr. <laughs> Which is like, did you think that it was me before when it was a picture of David Bowie with, with part of a skull <laughs> for Halloween? <laughs> You're just not paying attention. Also, before that, I was an owl. <laughs> That's not your skull? <laughs> I want your skulls. <laughs> Um, I like that Ringo covered Christmas Time is Here Again for this. Yeah. Like, it's a nice treat for the fans, like, actually giving it, like, an actual wide release when it kind of hadn't before. That's right. Um, Little Drummer Boy is also a no-brainer for him to co- to uh, to cover. Right. And it ruins everyone playing the game at home. <laughs> Do you play the Little Drummer Boy game or the Whamageddon, Roger? So I never heard of this game until you brought it up and complained that 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 uh, researching the pod, researching for the pod ruined the game for you ruined, and you lost. Yes. yes. So you can't listen to Little Drummer Boy at any point during the year or well, during the holiday can, season. I, I think that you can start at December first because that's when Whamageddon actually starts. At December first oh, is at December December one at midnight. If you hear uh, Last Christmas by Wham. The game's over for you. So I'm going to say that the Little Drummer Boy game can start then, too. Okay. So, okay, let's say hypothetically Little Drummer Boy was not on Ringo's album and he didn't have to listen to it for this podcast. Yes. So you're telling me if I started, like, humming Little Drummer Boy, you'd, like, shut the Zoom off? Uh, Don't do this to me, Roger. Uh, If David Bowie was at your door... (laughs) Like, you wouldn't let him in? Well, I would let him in, for sure. Even though he might start singing, you know, 
his little line in Little Drummer Boy, his little that they gave him because uh, he He's wanted his own. Him. Let, Let it, be. it be. Yeah. So yes. you're, yeah. That you're you're risking it here. <laughs> if I'm gonna Bowie bump it up to a risky. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. That's good. I you shouldn't be. Your life shouldn't be revolve around this game. So I'm glad no. that you would invite the late David Bowie into your home. Thank you. If you stop by. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you, you answered my questions uh, satisfactorily. Yes. So. But when it comes to this whole album, you know, I don't know if I'm going to look to purchase it to throw on the turntable for the holidays. I don't even know if Mercury Records decided to even issue it on vinyl. Uh, but, you know, I'll keep it in my back pocket to add to some playlists every now and then. Yeah, about Mercury Records, the reason why, folks, you might not have heard of this album is that they didn't promote it at all. Uh, so little so that Ringo said he's never going to work with Mercury Records again, and he has stood by that promise. Uh, peace and love. Peace, peace and, and love. love. Except Mercury Records. That's actually <laughs> the unspoken <laughs> other part of his peace and love slogan. I regret giving my autograph on that contract. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs> no more co- No more autographs to Mercury Records. <laughs> Uh, Ringo and musical partner Mark Hudson composed Dear Santa Christmas Eve in July 1998 and stars Surrey Residence. It must be so weird. Like, I know they have to do this, but the, you know, writing and performing Christmas songs in July is just so strange to me. Like, do they go to Australia to do it? You know, so it's wintertime? I don't know. The pair of songs were recorded a few months later, between 14th and 16th of September in the UK. Follow sessions didn't commence its own bar chief, 1999, at What in the What the Studios in Los Angeles, where the tracks were off the Red Nose Radio, Low Drummer Boy, Christmas Time is Here Again, and the better work on Dear Center were taped that day. Hudson, Jim Cox, and Steve Dudas were featured on the tracks. Uh, recorded throughout 1999 between Star and Hudson, I Want to Be Santa Claus was made in several studios in the U.S. and the U.K., with their families joining in and including two notable celebrity guests, Aerosmith's Joe Perry, he played guitar on uh, Christmas Time Here Again, and Eagles member Timothy B. Schmidt, who does not come off well in Jeff Tweedy's new book. That's all I'll say. Oh, really? I, I haven't read it yet. Okay, how many of his books have you read? He has three now, so. I've read the I read the first one. Uh, I did not read how to write one song, but I okay. own the third one, but I haven't read it yet. Okay. okay. Jeff Lynn also sings backing vocals on "Come On Christmas, Christmas Come On." Come on. I want to be Santa Claus and Christmas time is here again. The final sessions for the album were held on September eighth and again, I love this name. One the what the studios with mixing taking place at A&M Studios in L.A. and Sterling Sound, New York. It must be nice to be a rich musician. Yes, yes. Um, right, so this is like, it was half, you know, original songs and half classics. Um, the album was not a commercial success because of Mercury. The damn planet. Wham scale, uh, are there any songs on this album you'd give your heart to, if any? I say uh, no. 
Yeah, I'm going to say no. It's a bit of a whole wham for me. But I'm glad he did it. I, I hadn't, like, I guess most of the general public, thank you, Mercury <laughs> Records, had no idea that Ringo nope. Starr had released a Christmas album. But as you said, it makes the most sense in the world that he would. Great way to end the 90s, I guess. And a great way to end our show. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening this past year. And um, yes. we'll see you next year. Yes. We'll, you'll hear us next year. Um, peace and love to everybody. And goodwill toward men. Every now and then. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.